Hey everyone, welcome to Vader Research Podcast. I'm your host, Mitigal Thicken. Today I'm joined by Philip La, VP of Product for Games at Sky Mavis. Disclaimer, none of this is financial or legal advice. Philip, welcome to the pod. Uh, great to have you here. Can you tell us about your background and how you ended up at Sky Mavis? Awesome. Yeah, thank, thanks for having me. Obviously, a uh, big fan of your uh, content and everything you've done. And yeah, we've known each other for a bit now. Uh, a bit about myself. Uh, I'm yeah, VP of product on the game side for Sky Mavis right now. I've uh, been with the company for about 10 months and uh, yeah, working on everything from origins to land to uh, builders products, uh, builders uh, program games uh, and other games that we're working on with external studios like uh, Ray Lights as well, um, our, our mini game that we made for land. Uh, so everything games. And then uh, before that, I was at Niantic for about four years working on Pokemon Go um, on everything from new features to live ops to uh, kind of business monetization uh, work. So uh, yeah, a lot of background in the free-to-play world. Awesome. Great to have you here. And you, you previously worked at... I'm a, a free-to-play company as well, right? The uh, Niantic, the Pokemon, um, Pokemon Creator, uh, Pokemon Go Creator. Sorry, not the Pokemon Creator. Um, you know, how how has been the transition from a you know traditional free-to-play game studio to Sky Mavis has been on your end? Yeah, it's uh, it's been a wild ride for sure. I think free-to-play, like Pokemon Go, was already obviously a very unique and amazing product in itself. And that was a, a great experience to be able to, to work on that product. And, uh, and, and, you know, the players really were quite uh, passionate about it as well. They'd have very strong opinions and uh, you know, anything we released, they'd either love it or they, you know, really not like it and you would hear it. Um, and that I think is almost amplified like a hundred X in, in the kind of uh, uh, web three gaming world where people care even more about these products and have a lot more uh, of themselves in it from time, effort, money, everything. And so uh, kind of transitioning has been uh, learning about this new world. And I think uh, the parts that have been really been uh, cool is being able to build a lot more with the community. I think in more traditional uh, game world, uh, there's much more of a, you know, there's the developers and the, and the community and they don't work as closely together. And uh, But with Web3, there's definitely this culture of building together with the community more, getting uh, their feedback, working with them and figuring out, you know, together how to make this, this product the best for everyone. Um, so that's been really, really fun. I love chatting with the community and do it a lot through all the different channels, Discord, Twitter, um, just town halls, all of it. Um, and yeah, I think just learning about all these new models of how games can be structured has been really interesting, uh, challenging at the same time, because, you know, we're all still figuring out what the right model is. And uh, for me, working on Axie Infinity, there's obviously a lot of historical, you know, systems in place right now um, and, and that have been around for a few years. So figuring out how we can evolve those and respecting everything we've done in, in the past as well. Uh, so, yeah, it's been a, it's been a fun ride so far. Awesome. Can you tell us about Axie Origins, what it is and how is it different than the Axie Classic? 
Yeah, so to give some some history uh, for those out there who aren't aware, Axie Classic is the original game that uh, Sky Mavis developed that's been around for uh, past few years, and it's what people have been playing. And uh, it was, you know, the first kind of big uh, major game that, that got traction and uh, really blew up last year. Uh, but it, it had a lot of uh, shortcomings and areas where it, it wasn't easy to to build it up and add new features and uh, create some new, uh, more kind of advanced gameplay and uh, economic systems. And so Origins is kind of the answer to that. And it's the new flagship game that's actually replacing uh, the classic game uh, in terms of, uh, you know, what we're really focusing on. It's a turn-based card battle game as well. Players use their axes that have, you know, all the different body parts that dictate what cards they can use in battle. Uh, and with this game, there's brand new mechanics, art, animations, uh, economic systems, and uh, it is the, the evolution of, you know, this uh, this particular genre of game that we work on. Obviously, we're going to work on other genres of, of Axie games too, uh, but in terms of the turn-based card battle, uh, this is the, the, the major one, and we released it. Um, earlier, uh, mid this year, and have been iterating it and evolving it on it. Uh, over the past months, it's already changed a lot, uh, and I think it will continue to actually change a lot over the upcoming months as well as we, uh, yeah, improve it and make it more accessible uh, to more people. Awesome! And like, if if as a player, if I'm thinking about X Origins, just like an Axie class, it's again, it's like a turn-based card game, right? Very similar to Axie classic my understanding mm-hmm. just like from the genre um do i still need to own three axie nfts to be able to play the game yeah so with origins there actually is free to play uh game mode now uh or as, as part of the overall game you can start playing without three axes uh we give uh, a bunch of starter axes uh that uh you can you know start earning through the adventure mode and you can get a bunch of them, and we'll, we're going to release more over time as well. But uh, basically, anyone can start playing with these starter axes and learn the game and and see if they like it, see if they enjoy the mechanics. And uh, at some point, if they want more variety, then they pick up uh, NFT axes or can start trying to learn the breeding system and all these kind of more advanced uh, areas of the ecosystem. Um, because, uh, you know, we want to make sure that the game is more accessible, um, to people who don't necessarily want to spend up front. Right. Um, that's, you know, a big part of how free to play games have been successful and we want to take advantage of, you know, all the knowledge and all the systems that have been built in, in that industry. Um, and then within, you know, origins relative to classic, we've added in a whole bunch of new features that, you know, all these players can experience as well, such as vertical upgrading in the form of roots and charms and, um, there's new mechanics with a larger meta variety, you know, uh, in, in classic eyes and ears, uh, didn't have necessarily, uh, cards attached to them, but now they do. So there's a lot more variety in terms of the, the cards in the game. Um, and yeah, we built, you know, within origins, a whole new portal system. So you think can bring things on and off chain, um, into the game and out of the game. Nice. Um, so, with these starter axes, first of all, are these uh, soulbound tokens or soulbound NFTs? Uh, they're not. They're not NFTs at all. They're just off-chain assets right now. Um, okay. There, you know, could be ways that uh, potentially they become mintable in some way in the future if it makes sense. But uh, no plans for that right now. 
Uh, but yeah, right now they're just off-chain assets like your your typical Web2 game. Okay. And and with these starter axes, you know, a player can only play the adventure mode, which is like the PvE single-player mode? Uh, no, they, they can play arena or as well. So they can play against other players with the starter axes. Um, but obviously, you know, as, as you get higher and higher, it'll be harder to progress with just, you know, the, the more limited variety. Oh, I understand. Okay, got it. So, okay. To, to the progress at higher, you know, leagues, levels, seasons, whatever, you need to, mm-hmm. um, like, improve your axe. And the only way you can do that is through actually, like, spending money and buying an, an Axie NFT, right? So that you can continue being um, com- competent. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, to, to access some of the, you know, more advanced metas and some of the more advanced archetypes uh, and, and different decks, you'll need, you know, different uh, axes that you don't necessarily have access to just with the starter axes. Um, and over time, we want to, you know, figure out that balance here of, you know, how how much variety and how far can people get if they're just using free axes and, and starter axes? Um, and then how much of an advantage do people have if they get the full variety? Um, so yeah, that'll be a balance we figure out over time. And that's similar to just in free-to-play games, you know, when they have, you know, the the normal full free mode in free-to-play games and then things that you can pay for and how to balance that so that um, it makes sense from, you know, making sure it's accessible, but also having these these areas where people can really uh, have more advanced gameplay and progress faster if they're spending. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, are you still earning, like as a as a player with starter axes who's playing at arena mode, are you still able to earn SLP from the games that you won in arena mode? Uh, sorry, in, in Classic? Or no, no, no. In, in Origins. Yeah, in Origins, uh, you can earn SLP. Um, so we, we deprecated uh, SLP from the classic game. And so Origins is the primary way that you can be earning SLP now. Um, and then also you can use SLP in-game to, to craft runes and charms. Oh, wow, very cool. Yeah, I, I guess like so, you know, players can earn SLP per arena match. Um, and if I remember correctly last time, you know, so I haven't looked into the economy for a while, but, yeah. you know, there were different MMR ranges for the SLP you can earn per match. I guess that has just shifted to Origins now instead of like Classic. And um, so obviously, like if you were below a specific MMR, and I think it was like 800 for, for Classic, you weren't able to earn anything, right? Any SLP. And as you progress to higher MMR, you could earn SLP. Um, and I guess w- w- by enabling anyone to play uh, without actually spending money, you are like increasing that top of the funnel for those who might buy the the NFTs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so we have a similar system in that you can only earn SLP when you reach a certain rank um, in the arena. And, uh, and outside of that, uh, it is, it is, uh, you know, you do have to put some work in and, and you probably do need to craft some runes and charms in, in the meantime, using our, some of our off-chain assets like moon shards. 
and then um, eventually you can earn SLP. And as you, if you want to keep progressing and earn more SLP, then you also need to spend it and, and kind of craft more roots and charms. Um, so there's kind of a, a system there of, of both uh, on the burn and uh, inside. Oh, okay. But, but, but as a, as a free to play player, um, and I'm sure you guys like track the free to play players who don't spend anything on like mm -hmm. NFTs. Um, have you ever seen like a, a free to play player that has like progress through their ranks, you know, progress through higher ranks and are able to, you know, earn a lot of SLP and either even at the top of the leaderboard? Yeah, I'll, I'll have. So actually one, one, uh, uh, one nuance there is that with starter axes, you can actually can't earn SLP. You can only start earning SLP if you're using NFT axes specifically. God. So God, if you're God, full God. free, you know, just using starter axes player, yeah, you wouldn't be able to earn SLP. Got it. So that, that's that's completely like free to play, right? Those are two two separates, I guess. You have two separate yeah. MMR calculation there, not MMR, but like the league calculation. And if you don't own any axie NFT. Like no matter if like you're the top player within that category, you're not earning anything, right? Yeah, exactly. So if you're uh, a full free player with starter axes, you can make it up to you know whatever league, and, and if you're really good, you could probably do decently well. Um, but uh, yeah, you wouldn't be able to earn SLP as you go, um, and you would just be earning moon shards and kind of off chain assets. But even if actually one difference between Origins and Classic now is even if you have one. NFT Axie now, though, you can start earning SLP. So you don't necessarily need to have a full team of three NFT Axies. Oh, nice. That's cool. Yeah. Um, okay. And so you mentioned, you know, runes and charms and moon shards, all these like new new yeah. terms that people who, who, who have been like familiar with Axie Classic might not, um, might not understand. Can you, can you explain yeah. that, that and that? whole you know yeah yeah i live with you yeah so uh basically with origins there's this new kind of hybrid uh economy there's uh these off-chain resources called moon shards um that people earn from you know or adventure arena throughout in, in different ways you get these moon shards um and they are used to craft roots and charms and so you can craft some of the basic ones with just moon shards but as you want to craft craft kind of more advanced recipes, then you also need to use moon shards with SLP. Um, and so uh, that's kind of the, the main purpose of moon shards in that it is this off-chain resource that people need to grind. You can't trade for it. You can't necessarily, uh, you know, just buy it. So especially early in the season, moon shards are, are very important because they help kick off that, that uh, crafting cycle and allow people to start uh, crafting at all um, since it's a required re uh, ingredient. And then, uh, you know, the whole point is to craft these new runes and charms. So runes are basically these power-ups you can attach to an Axie, um, and it gives some sort of buff or some sort of effect. And, uh, you know, obviously it, it pairs well with certain uh, classes and certain runes can, can only be used on those. And, uh, yeah, you want to figure out what cards they work well with, what combos, and then charms attached to specific body parts. So you can have them on your individual uh, Axie body parts, and they also provide different effects. So it just creates a whole new dynamic where, you know, sure, you have your Axies with their body parts and the base cards, but then you have these power-ups that you can put on the body parts and then on the Axie itself, and that changes how all the kind of meta and strategies work.
Nice. The, yeah. These are, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and runes and charms. Uh, so they have, there's ones that are off-chain only, um, and we call them sealed runes and charms. And so some of those you can just earn from playing and um, and for onboarding and just getting through adventure. And then there's also uh, what we call Ronin runes and charms, which are the NFT ones. You can mint them on chain, you can buy and sell them, you can uh, bring them back into the game to use. Nice. Um, runes, are they consumables? They are not consumables. Uh, so they uh, they can be disenchanted. Um, so technically you can, you can burn them in a way. Um, essentially, if you have a particular rune or charm and, you know, you don't have much use for it anymore, then, uh, you can disenchant and get some resources back. Um, and they're also seasonal. So every season, uh, there's a set of runes and charms that you can use and they expire once the next season starts and you have to get a new set. And so those old ones, you can disenchant, get some resources back. And, and craft some new ones. Um, and so that's kind of the, the cycle of runes and charms. And then, you know, some people want to collect and keep old ones too, just, just for the collectible sake um, and have like full sets and things like that. And we are looking to have, uh, you know, more, you know, badges and things like that in the future that, that highlight, you know, these, uh, these collections. Yeah, that's really cool. So yeah, um, my understanding then like runes, um, like these are power ups consume not consumers of power ups that you can attach to an axie, I guess like during a game. Um, and you know they're they parallel with certain classes, and um, but they are seasonal, right? That that you can't use the one you earn at I don't know season twenty five, at season twenty six, um, which is great from a, from a like economy design perspective, um, yeah. and then. You can, but you're saying that, you know, you can disenchant them, meaning you can burn them. Yeah. And when you burn them, um, why, like, what do you get back? Why would you burn them? Yeah. So, you know, especially once you, uh, once those runes or charms are not, um, are not, you know, uh, in season anymore. So if you have some, a bunch from season 25, but you're in season 26 now, so there's not really any major utility for them at that point. Um, you can burn them and you get, uh, some of the, the SLP and moon shards back. Um, but it's a relatively small amount, um, compared to, you know, how much you need needed to, to craft it originally. So you basically get a little bit back for your efforts and, and for, you know, getting all these assets. <clears throat> um, and, uh, get to contribute, have that contribute to your, uh, current seasons crafting and things like that. And so is this like, you're only able to disenchant at the end of the season and it's like, you get uh, you know, some, some, some portion back or more like you can disenchant throughout the season anytime. And I'd assume that the later you disenchant, the less you get, right? Correct. There's like a dynamic. Yeah, that's exactly how it works. Formula. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, you can disenchant them anytime. You can like craft something and disenchant it right away if you want. And if you disenchant it within your season, you get the most. Um, and then if you disenchant it in uh, the, a season after it's active, you get less, and then less in the next season as well. Nice. 
Um, yeah. is, is it more or less same for the charms as well? Yeah, exact same system. Okay. Yeah, that's that's really cool. That definitely adds some like color to the economy, yeah. right? Yeah. How has the I mean, um? Yeah, sorry, go. On. Oh no, go for it. Oh, sorry. Um, how has the um reaction been from the players? Uh, it's been great. I mean, people love uh the the whole runes and charm system. It's added so much uh, yeah, depth and and kind of different mechanics. And uh, people are using a lot of you know resources now as well. It kind of makes the game more fun. It's this you know crafting mechanism where you're not sure what you're going to get. I think one thing that a lot of people have been asking for is just like more animations though. So right now you craft and you just get the item. Um, but, but we know, you know, there, there, there should be kind of a bit more suspense and some animations and things like that, that should be involved in that, that we're working on, uh, that we want to add in. And, uh, but yeah, overall people really like it. I think, uh, given how many more components there are in the meta now though, uh, it's definitely much harder to balance. And so that's something people have been, uh, you know, giving a lot of us a lot more feedback on is just, you know, the balancing and, and we need to further just iterate and improve on that to make sure that all different runes and charms uh, have have their own kind of utility. Because right now, a lot of times, just the way they interact, it's hard when uh, you have cards, you have runes and you have charms, and you might have one rune or charm that interacts with some cards in ways that we didn't necessarily predict. And it ends up being way too strong, and you know it's you know by far the 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 rune or charm that everyone's looking for, and the other ones get much less uh, attention. And so uh, we just need to figure out uh, processes and ways to get better at balancing all that meta. Yeah, definitely. Because I assume it was much easier when it was only like Axie Classic, and you didn't have the runes and charms. You could just look at like the axes, the axie you know, attributes that. Um, were, yeah. were, were winning the most and the ones that were losing the most and you changes nerf and buff and keep it balanced. But now yeah. there's just a lot more permutation, right? Yeah, exactly. Just the number of combinations of things that go together is, is, uh, is much, much yeah. higher now. So, uh, yeah, I yeah. think one thing we want to do is uh, figure out how we can have more community testing um, before we release things into the live server into a full season. And we know some other you know, games have done public beta environments and there's there's pros and cons and different nuances we have to figure out around having public beta environments, but it's something that could be quite helpful that we, uh, we're looking into. Awesome, awesome. Um, in, in terms of like, you know, so when I'm thinking about ruins, ruins and charms, so basically initially you earn some off-chain assets, right? Like when you think about the mm -hmm. process. And yeah. these off-chain assets, you know, like they're not useful outside of the game. So you either need to like craft stuff with them or you're just mm -hmm. missing out with them. So there's like this FOMO already happening. And, yeah. but to, to use them, you actually need to like spend, like, I guess, burn some SLP, which I think is a yeah. great idea to burn more SLP. And mm -hmm. then um, once you craft them, there's like randomness element which is mm -hmm. exciting, which like makes things more spicy rather than having something certain. Yeah. Um, and then even once you have the runes and charms and as you play, like you might think of disenchanting them. And I guess you already, you also have the option of selling them, right? So the, the sale price 
um, like the disenchanting price should always be more than the sale price for for it to be more attractive, right? So I guess like the disenchanting price acts a bit like a a floor for the for the runes and charm prices. Yeah, in a way, um, theoretically, uh, but you know, I think uh, I've I haven't looked at those numbers in detail, but yeah. Uh, theoretically, you know, so you'll get a bit of SLP back. So that SLP is theoretically, you know, the floor that you could get back if you just disenchanted it versus putting it on the market. Okay, very, very cool. I mean, very, very nice mechanism. Yeah. And thanks. Um, like with the moon shards, are these um, are these like? Is there a ratio between, say, moon shard and SLP or moon shard and a and a um I don't know rune and charm? Like, how do you how do you determine at how how many moon shards you're able to craft runes and charms? Uh, yeah, so we we we've tuned those numbers throughout. Um, there isn't you know a specific ratio that we you know match them like uh, you know it has to be ten moon shards to one SLP or something, but. Um, generally, because the moon shards are the more uh, the, the off-chain uh, items and the things that are really going to help drive the progression, so people need to get these moon shards. Like, because SLP you can just buy technically, right? And you know, if I just buy all the SLP, then I can do everything. But moon shards is really that that limiting factor, and so uh, we use moon shards as that way to to manage that progression throughout a season, so people can't just get everything on the first day. Um, and that's kind of how we look at tuning the the moon shard uh, crafting amounts. Got it. Are are moon shards seasonal as well? Do they reset at the end of every season? Yeah, they reset every season as well. So um, you uh, lose uh, any moon shards you have left are reset back to zero. And um, but the the only advantage is if you did have a lot of runes and charms from the past season, you can disenchant them in later seasons to get uh, kind of a head start, get a bit of moon shards to kickstart your crafting in the that in the later season nice nice what else um like what else think ideas have you guys um came up with compared to the axi classic i've I've seen stickers and avatars yeah so we we have some cosmetics in game they're just off-chain things right now um but we are looking at potentially having some off off on-chain versions of them um so yeah there's stickers which are these little kind of emoji type things that you can show in game to people, um, you know, just to express uh, things. Uh, we have avatars. So the actual, you know, display picture you have on your profile as you're battling people. Uh, we have uh, avatar borders, uh, which is, yeah, you can actually decorate your border for your avatar. And uh, yeah, we want to do a lot more cosmetics over time. Um, so obviously we, we have, you know, like uh uh, breeding events in the past where we've had like unique parts like christmas parts and japanese parts um but uh, accessories is a big one that we want to uh, try to get out uh which is basically being able to attach yeah accessories you know little uh you know decorations to different body parts uh different parts of your axie that people can uh can flex and you know can be earned in different ways from you know live ops to leaderboard to just within games um and so yeah a lot more cosmetics to come and those uh would be uh mostly nfts as well uh in terms of 
you know, being able to uh, earn them in different ways, but then mint them and then trade them uh, as you want. Okay, so I've I've seen stuff like Glided Lamb, Blue Crystal, and they were like trading at like one to two thousand dollars at the marketplace. So <laughs> are are they are they cosmetics as well? Cosmetic accessories? No, so all the the item section in the marketplace right now is actually referring to land items, um, and oh. so those, uh, yeah, are all for the land gameplay. Uh, they, uh, you know, obviously have cosmetic value of being able to put on the land, but they'll have utility as well um, and provide some some advantages and buffs. I think they they have uh, some you know utility written from like years ago on them right now uh, in their description, which is. You know, obviously not applicable anymore as land has evolved. And so those will be updated as we kind of nail down the land gameplay and uh, we figure out, you know, what is kind of the equivalent utility that these uh, different items will have within the, the land game. Nice. I, I guess that's a good gateway to actually talk yeah. about land. Yeah. You, sure. you, want, you want to kickstart that? Yeah. So land is uh, our other kind of, first party flagship game that we're working on at Sky Mavis around the X Infinity franchise. It is uh, really this, this central you know, community gathering place um, that we want to create where people can you know, obviously play, build, just hang out. And uh, it's, it's a huge project, <laughs> very, very ambitious. And uh, uh, is, is that next evolution in you know, what types of gameplay and, and uniqueness can blockchain bring to games um, reimagined into this type of genre. Uh, and so if just like taking a step back, if we look at land gameplay as a whole, um, and there's like tons of land NFTs out there now from different experiences, um, there's obviously the very uh, UGC centric, you know, open world metaverse type like sandbox or decentraland and these ones where you just go and you can start create and, and and hang out and you know there isn't necessarily content um up front um and then i think there's another side of that spectrum which is uh very much less explored right now um because it takes a lot more work on, on this side which is create uh, a whole game for these, these land entities in the land game. And so we're actually very much focused on that side of the spectrum right now, where our land game will have kind of this full town building simulation game, progression, um, you know, a lot of things to do, leaderboards, all of that. Um, and then over time, we want to add in more and more metaverse elements. So number one, you come in, you have this full game to play, but then over time, you know, you can find ways to hang out and play mini games and create your own experiences and all of that and kind of expand across that entire spectrum. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, very, very ambitious. And so, yeah, really focusing on, on that game part first and making sure that there's just really good content that people want to stick around to play it for. Awesome. I think it is a good approach because, you know, when you look at the UGC platforms, UGC based, like virtual land platforms, um, they struggle with retention and I think having an initial gameplay is and then you know um rolling out the ugc play sounds like a much better idea than uh the the vice versa and i i I missed the part when you when you talked about the game genre but like what would the game look like and like can you give an example of a similar game that the the audience can you know 
think about? Yeah, I think uh, I think typical, you know, farming town building type sim games um, are probably the closest. Um, so like a Farmville or you know Heyday and, and games like that, uh, kind of somewhat similar mechanics, but obviously it'll it'll have its unique uh, flair. Everdale, which is uh, one of the Supercell games, they were testing some elements taken from there. Um, and, and learning from some of those things that they've tested as well. Um, so yeah, that's the general genre the base game will be with more things added on top over time with, you know, elements of the future where you can just walk around with your Axie and, you know, potentially more RPG elements where you can choose a specific Axie to, to go do things. Um, so yeah. Got it. Yeah. I always felt like the farming simulation game is difficult to have like, um, a PVP, you know, sync element there, just because like, like when you think about like a, I don't know, like a tower defense game, you know, it is, it is PVP and the sinks are a bit more obvious than a, than a, like a, you know, formula heyday type game. How, how are you thinking about that? How are you thinking about designing the economy for that game? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the the focus initially won't be around PVP. It'll it will be around you know more just like you building up your land and um, and even cooperating with others. You know trading with others and and figuring out you know what resources and areas you want to specialize in. So um, yeah, that's that's kind of where a lot of where people would would spend and and also invest and um, and then also get the benefits of having you know cooler buildings or cooler structures and different items that they get to get to craft. And so PVP is something I think we've thought about and we will, uh, we'll look at different ways to layer on, on top. Uh, but yeah, it probably won't be part of that initial base. Um, but yeah, it's, it's nothing, you know, anything can, can be done in this kind of, uh, in, in the system that we're building. So one thing that we do want to do is dungeons. So a more PVE style game where you actually take a bunch of axes and you can go into a dungeon and, go through, you know, levels of chimeras and, and uh, kind of battle there. Um, so that's like a feature we're looking for in the future. Nice. Um, as it, what would be like the, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I didn't think the land are, um, the land are owned by, you know, people, right. Which is like, it's similar to the sandbox and, and Decentraland. Yeah. Um, what would be like the utility of of the land is like question number one and question two are you able to play the game without owning a land nft yeah yeah so uh first part what is the utility i mean yeah so yeah basically the utility is that you need land to be able to play this this part of the game um and and to to, to access it and so we are looking at building systems where landowners can delegate out their land to others to work on as well. Um, so having that that kind of system built out so that, you know, we know there's landowners that have a lot of land and it's not realistic for them to play, you know, every piece of uh, every plot. And so making sure that they have ways to, you know, for other people who do want to play land initially uh, to, to connect with them too. I think the other unique part of land that we're looking at for the longer term is this idea of having this asymmetric gameplay uh, where you have landowners that are kind of going through this, uh, you know, more farming sim town building type uh, game. And then uh, we actually have non-landowners be able to come in and have a uh, pretty different experience 
um, but in the same universe and working together with the landowners. And so the the kind of current vision we're looking at is uh, as a non-landowner, you can come into the game. Uh, we have kind of public areas on the land. And so you'd come in, you'd start out with a uh, with a tent in like a campsite. And there you would have a more Animal Crossing actually type experience where you go out, you earn things, you, uh, you know, work with your axes, get resources, craft new items and, and decorate your apartment, you know, upgrade things, uh, you know, work towards different achievements in the game. And then as you progress, at some point you want to upgrade and you don't want to live in a tent anymore. And so you actually got to rent some sort of apartment uh, that is on a landowner's land. And then you would, you know, pay some sort of rent or some sort of fee um, to be able to rent an apartment on a landowner's land. Landowners would obviously have to have that set up on their side where they have this, you know, apartment type building um, that people can can rent and, and use. And so that's kind of how they'd interact. And then uh, non-landowners would be able to, you know, do jobs for uh, landowners uh, where landowners, you know, I need certain resources or want to defeat this chimera in the dungeon and then they would all work together and they'd hire these non-landowners and so from a non-landowner perspective it's you know you're just playing this game it just happens to be that instead of you know everything's ai controlled you actually have other people on the other side which are you're working with to progress uh so yeah it's a pretty unique model that we're, we're going to be you know trying to implement there yeah, that is a unique model. I'm, I'm looking forward to learning more about that one. Um, yeah, the, for sure. Yeah. Are, are you able to, um, like, if you are a owner of axes, do you have any, like, advantage or do you have, I don't know, any benefits from the land gameplay? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, NFT axes will definitely have a major role in land um, in terms of, uh, what they're able to do. So there will be kind of off-chain axes people can use to start to just get things going. Um, but then as we as you progress, you will want NFT axes to basically do a lot of actions that normal non-off-chain axes can't do. And they'll have abilities, their body parts will have certain buffs. You know, if you want to go battle chimeras in the dungeon or want to uh, mine certain items, then you'll need uh, NFT axes with certain traits. Uh, so yeah, they'll definitely have very strong utility within land. Nice, nice. Okay, awesome. I want to ask a couple of questions about um, like more meta, you know, SkyMavis and blockchain gaming related questions. So obviously yeah, sure. you've been in the industry for a while now and I'm, I'm sure you would you would have, you know, some deep thoughts on some of these subjects. So Got like it. starting from, you know, SkyMavis, um, like what do you think would lead SkyMavis to success? in the in the longer term yeah so sky Memphis as a whole uh is composed of you know multiple components that all go together so obviously there's axie infinity itself uh there's the ronin blockchain uh which is you know the the chain that uh we're continuing to expand and build out more more features for um and then everything else that ties all that together and so when i think of you know if Sky Mavis is successful, um, then Ronin will, you know, become a a preferred platform for a lot of thoughtful and, and ambitious Web three gaming builders. Um, it should have the kind of systems and tools in place to have smooth and frictionless onboarding for you know non Web three 
natives as well. Um, I think that's, you know, across our industry, uh, something that we are strongly pushing towards is how do we make this easy? How do we make this, you know, seamless? Like we don't even need to talk about NFTs. We don't need to use any of these terms. It's just people coming in, you know, they get these benefits that, that uh, are inherently a part of uh, blockchain and they just feel the benefits and, and can enjoy them. Uh, they don't need to know and learn about all the, you know, complexities that we've had to go through uh, onboarding into, into this uh, space. Um, I think the other part is uh, obviously on the Axie side, we would have built out an extensive content library um, with a lot more different games and experiences. Uh, and obviously with, with balanced economies and also really strong gameplay loops that people want to progress and, um, and have demand for the, the assets for. Uh, and then I think other areas where uh, will be important for our success is just gamers, uh, you know, are, are more educated and thoughtful about the benefits that come from ownership and, and secondary markets and, um, and co-creation, collaborative building. And, and there is this kind of shift towards people wanting more of this type of co-creation and, and working more closely with game developers uh, to create the, the games that they really want and have some some skin in the game if they want as well. Uh, that, that incentive alignment between studios and players, I think will be a pretty unique change uh, that uh, will, will drive success um, for a lot of, you know, our, our new, you know, Web3 gaming companies. Um, and yeah, we'll have to, you know, really figure out distribution, you know, obviously in free-to-play uh, ads, Facebook ads, you know, Google ads, all those were, were the big thing. Um, I think, you know, there'll, there'll probably still be a space for ads, of course, but there's probably a lot of new distribution mechanisms that will, might work better for Web3. And now that people have, you know, more incentives and more alignment, um, how do you really leverage that um, to, to, you know, have much stronger distribution? Um, and just, yeah, general Web3 adoption will, will act as a tailwind, I think, um, over time. Awesome answer. I guess, how are you thinking about the distribution part? Do you see any, um, like any, any innovation or solution there? Yeah. I, I mean, there's, uh, there's a lot of things to be figured out because it really depends on, on what platforms you're trying to distribute on too. Right. So if you're just doing, you know, PC right now, it's actually a lot more straightforward because there's less limitations. If you're doing, uh, you know, browser or, uh, you know, an actual PC app, um, you know, you have a bit more flexibility, um, obviously with different, uh, stores like, you know, steam, I believe is, is, you know, no NFTs and Epic games is, is being more open to it. And, uh, but you can also just distribute on your website and, you know, run ads and drive people towards it. And they can kind of go through that whole flow and you can monetize whatever way you want, you know, require people to use tokens or use fiat, um, so on, yeah, desktop, basically, it's actually a bit more straightforward. On mobile, it gets much harder because we have these kind of gatekeepers and um, with iOS and Google. And uh, yeah, they're, they're still figuring things out as, as everyone else is um, on like how they want to manage it. Obviously, they want to protect their players as well um, and, and their businesses. And so figuring out how to work with them and you know, their policies are, are changing over time as well as, as they figured out. So we kind of need to be flexible in how we handle that and be sensitive about what 
what they want to do and just see how that whole ecosystem evolves because how we distribute will depend on a lot of how you know what we can actually do on these platforms like mobile where we you know definitely want to be um and so you know if we uh if we're not allowed to for example sell nfts in our game that makes a big difference because now you know we have to create everything off chain first and then you know somehow educate and uh, let people know that they can also take part in this nft part of the game uh after they you know really have have gone deep into the the off-chain part so yeah a lot of different factors there but uh, yeah we are uh, really focused on figuring it out awesome yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think I agree with you. I think mobile is gonna be really big. So figuring that out is probably gonna be very um yeah, very lucrative, very good uh, opportunity. Yeah, yeah, it's uh kind of um uh the, the the price of being on the frontier is that yeah, you have a lot more ambiguity and, and you're kind of trying to figure things out as they change. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um you know, so from your experience, what makes a sustainable and successful web tree game economy design? I I I've listened to your like talk um, on Barcelona. Um, obviously, mm, I wasn't there; it was recorded, so I've I watched on YouTube. But cool. uh, I know you have deep thoughts in this area, so would love to get your uh, ideas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just echoing, I think some of the things I talked about during that talk is, uh, I believe I had, yeah, the three main main areas was um, outside of just the specific economy design, uh, kind of two areas I really focus on is, you know, you need to have a good game, uh, you need to have intrinsic value, you need to have demand, uh, because, you know, you can, you know, manage your economy perfect and have it, you know, super safe and structured in a way that, you know, you can't have inflation, but if there's no demand, it doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> um, and so, you know, having that game, uh, that is interesting and different and, uh, and people really want to play, um, just, just for the sake of it and collect its assets is obviously the core number one, um, thing to, to figure out before anything else. Um, and then the other element I talked about was just narrative. And so, you know, we, we've run into this too, and this is why we've, you know, transition from play to earn all the way to, to play and own now in terms of how we want people to look at our games and, uh, yeah, making sure that players come in with the right expectations and how to look at these assets and, um, and you know, having the right conversations uh, in the community uh, where people are more focused on, you know, I want to collect this because it looks cool versus I want to get this because I can make more money off of it um, are important to, to drive the right um, you know, uh, economy as well. And then the last part after all those is then the actual economy structure and making sure that, you know, you have systems in place that people can't abuse basically, because if it's, if it's abusable, then yeah, people will, will definitely find ways to, to maximize everything they can get out of it. So you got to have a pretty tight economy that you can tune easily and where the sources and things can be balanced, especially for things that have real money value and people, care about scarcity for. I think there is, you know, for certain game structures, and there's going to be a lot of different models, but there can be ones where you actually don't care if something inflates, right? Which is how it is in, in a lot of web tunings. Maybe there are some very common 
you know, NFTs or tokens um, that, you know, it's fine if it inflates. Like if everyone gets it, value is, is zero on the marketplace. It doesn't matter. And, and people are okay with that if, if their expectations are, are managed, right? And so it uh, really depends on, you know, what the model is and if you actually need scarcity for certain items, if people really care about the real world value based on kind of the expectation set. Um, and so that those are things that need to be incorporated as part of that economic structure. And so if it is something people care about, then yeah, you got to make sure that people can't, uh, uh, your emissions aren't, you know, much higher than the, than the sinks. Um, and then the other part is, you know, figuring out this, you know, how on-chain your game is. And so, you, as I mentioned, you know, Origin is, is kind of this hybrid model of on and off-chain um, so that we can manage that progression uh, so that people can't just, you know, buy everything and and, uh, and, and get everything on the first day. And so uh, I'm, I think we'll probably see more and more of these models with kind of a mix of on and off-chain so that uh, you can have people start the game and progress and just play the game for fun. Um, kind of see how all the mechanics work, really start getting into it. And they can do that all off chain without any risk to the economy potentially. And then as they get more advanced, then they can take part in the, the on-chain parts of the game. Um, that's one model um, that uh, I think might be uh, interesting as, as more games uh, figure out how to onboard people and then also have a sustainable economy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, those are makes yeah, a, bunch of, a bunch yeah. of thoughts on sustainable economies. Yeah, yeah, I I would agree with those. And you also mentioned um, the narrative part, which I really liked. Mm-hmm. Right? How how are you thinking about that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a big part of what I've been uh, working on. Just like education, since I joined Sky Mavis, obviously being kind of the face of of this earning uh, kind of wave of of play to earn and. Uh, making money off games and, you know, I think realizing and the team seeing, you know, this, this narrative, it, it's just, you know, not working and it's not sustainable long-term, you know, people, there, there needs to be a fundamental demand underlying all that. And that's, you know, one of the big things, even when I joined the team, I was like, like this, this needs to change, right. Which is something I've been working pretty hard on. And, you know, even our communities, as I've been putting blog posts out, I've, I've been talking about more and more and more people understand this. Um, you know, a lot of people still don't necessarily understand all the nuances of it. And, you know, it'll, it'll take time and education. Um, but as we uh, shift all of our, you know, marketing materials and narrative and, you know, how we position the game to new players, then it'll continue to, to shift over time so that um, it becomes more of the focus um, around just the game itself and, you know, collecting these, these assets um, for what they are and their utility and not necessarily as, you know, investments and earning vehicles. Yeah. And, and the, the interesting part about that is when, when that becomes the focus and when that narrative becomes kind of the, the main way that people engage the economy and everything actually gets better, right? That's what fuels the economy and, and the, and the values and all of that. So it's it's a bit counterintuitive, but yeah, really focusing on the game and, and focusing that narrative around the the utility and collectability and intrinsic value, then pushes all of the real world values and, and prices up too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, this was really fun. I I learned a lot about X Origins and and the land game. 
So thanks, yeah. thanks a lot for your time. Um, is like, do you have any announcements relating uh, any of the games or, or access, maybe builders program, anything related to Sky Mavis that you want to share with the audience? Um, announcements. Yeah. First of all, thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Great, great chat. Love to love to hear a bunch of your thoughts on this as always. And My pleasure. We'll, we'll ping you about random things uh, as I do. Uh, yeah. Announcements wise, I think one of our latest releases is uh, kind of our are dabbling and, and kind of entrance into doing more live ops for games. And so, uh, yeah, for a lot of, you know, live operated games, you know, live operations is a key part of uh, keeping them running over time and keeping players engaged and making sure the game stays fresh and fun. And so Vince, our, our live ops lead, uh, who joined almost like four or five months ago-ish, um, yeah, he's been working on this feature that, uh, we just announced where there's, uh, it's called contests. And basically now we are able to create all different types of uh, contests where people can earn points by doing particular actions in the game. So, you know, using a particular class of Axie or um, in the future it could be uh, using uh, certain body parts and winning with that. And it could be themed, you know, for Christmas, it could be potentially using Christmas parts and getting extra points. And, uh, by earning these points during these contests, you can get a bunch of rewards. Right now, we just have some basic ones like moon shards and um, and some runes and charms, but we can add in stickers and cosmetics and accessories and all of that in the future too. And basically, this makes uh, the the game more dynamic over a particular time period um, because now, you know, there's the meta as part of the main leaderboard. You want to use, you know, the most optimized, strongest axes, but now you have this other contest where you know, you might want to try something different to, to get these points and get these other rewards too. Um, and so uh, create some different uh, uh, metas and, and ways for people to use their axes. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. It, it reminds me of Splinterlands. They have this like daily quest rewards. Mm -hmm. You know, if you, I don't know, play with XNFT and you um, build, I don't know, Y deck, you uh five times a day you're able to earn mm. this much i don't know either like off-chain points or maybe some on-chain rewards and mm -hmm. the daily quest required change every day so sometimes to finish that quest maybe you need to go to the marketplace and buy nft sometimes you don't need to but definitely mm -hmm. add some like um color to the game yeah yeah exactly just adding a bit more variety and uh yeah different things that people can work towards Awesome. Philip, again, thanks cool. for joining um, and looking forward to chatting more on on another time with you on personally. Um, and listeners, thanks for listening. See you on another episode. Awesome. Thanks so much. Bye.